Welcome to the Street Photography Magazine podcast, priceless inspiration and advice for street photographers everywhere. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson. This is the place for inspiration and advice by street photographers for street photographers. Today, Ashley and I interview Ray Anello, who recently retired from Newsweek magazine and moved to the West Coast, where he is pursuing his passion for street photography. But before we get started, I'd like to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by Street Photography magazine. Do you often feel that your photos all look the same? Are you in a rut and feel like there's nothing to shoot where you live anymore? Or are you new to street photography and want to learn what it's all about? If so, then I urge you to check out Street Photography magazine. It is a source of inspiration to learn from others out there who are doing the same thing you want to do every day. It's a place to be recognized. And what do we do? We publish 12 monthly issues per year, plus a few bonus issues throughout the year. Each issue includes an interview with our featured photographer, where they discuss how they shoot, what they shoot, how they see, and dig into some very specific pieces of their work. It also includes photo projects and stories from photographers around the world to inspire you. And it's a place to publish your work to be recognized. For example, in each issue, we include the Street Shooters of the Month that features images from members of our community. All this for less than the price of a cup of coffee per month. So stop over and subscribe at streetphotographymagazine.com. Our guest today is Ray Anello, who has recently retired from Newsweek magazine. And it was a real honor to be able to meet somebody who worked for such a prestigious publication. Ray grew up in a traditional Italian-American immigrant family in New York during the 1950s and 1960s. He said in those days, everybody was on the street all the time. And that experience shaped how he approaches photographing on the street today. Ray now lives in the suburbs of Los Angeles, where sometimes it's quite difficult to find good places to shoot on the street. If you've never been to L.A., people drive everywhere, and they walk very little. In fact, it can be downright dangerous to walk on some of the suburban streets due to the high traffic volume. Although he's relatively new to street photography, he's jumped in with both feet. In fact, not long ago... He purchased a Leica. Now, many people would be envious of Ray because he now has plenty of time to follow his passion. In the process, he recently rode Amtrak along the West Coast to find some interesting subject matter. And now he's planning other trips to further sharpen his skills. One of Ray's influences is William Klein. And he recently wrote a very interesting article about Mr. Klein, which will be published in our January issue very soon. It's really good, so don't miss it. But in the meantime, sit back, grab a beverage, and listen to Ashley and I speak with Rayanello. And our guest today is Rayanello. Ray is uh, a contributor to Street Photography Magazine. He's uh, retired from Newsweek Magazine. So I'm a little nervous talking to a real magazine publisher professional. Um, hopefully we're doing things right. Maybe he'll tell us that. But uh, he was in management and uh, in the production department and uh, research with Newsweek. Now he's retired. He moved from New York to the left coast. So he's out there enjoying the sunshine in La La Land and writing his memoirs, shooting, uh, shooting street photography and playing a lot of squash. So that sounds pretty cool to me. So and also with us is, is Ashley Huntsberger our editor. So Hello. how you doing, Ashley? Doing good. Glad to be doing here as good. always. And Ray, so welcome. Thanks for being with us. Oh yeah. It's great to be here. So you retired and you picked up and you moved to the other side of the country, a different world. You're out there shooting streets. So what got you into all this? Um, well, um, before I got to the West Coast here, I spent a little time in Dallas, and a friend of mine gave me um, a pocket digital camera, and I kind of started messing around. Uh, but but the problem I had in Dallas is the problem I have out here in the West. I was like, where is the street? I, I Where I was living was more like suburbs. Um, so I would go to malls and shoot people in malls, and... Um, that got got me kind of hooked until the mall cops started kicking me out. Mm, uh, sounds like Roy Moore, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so um, 
And then, you know, I, I was very, very shortly thereafter, wanted to move to the West Coast. And I have a friend out here who's a photographer and he gave me a Nikon, which just stunned me. And that's, I, I really, really got hooked then uh, w w w with a real camera uh, out shooting. You know, I just loved it. And uh, that, that, was, that, was that was a couple of years ago now. So it's interesting to me that when you got a little digital camera, your first thought was, let me just take, go take pictures of people being in Dallas. So that meant going to a mall. But it's like you immediately sought out street photography. Did you realize what street photography was at the time? Not really. Many, many years ago, I'd seen some of Cartier-Bresson's photos and was just stunned by them. But I didn't really know what I was looking at. Um, and when I was in Dallas, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking street photography. It's just that I grew up uh, in New York in an immigrant Italian neighborhood, a working class neighborhood. And we lived on the street. I mean, my neighborhood was like a small Italian town. All the life was on the street. And that's sort of the way I relate, you know. And um, um, it, it just seemed natural once I got the camera to go looking for that. Yeah, I saw that in your article. And that intrigued me because um, I haven't been to Italy. I mean, that's what it's like there. Everybody's no. out all the time. They basically live on the streets. And, and it sounded like you had the same type of thing in New York. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I did, certainly when I was a boy. Um, and uh, uh, it, it was just a whole world. Um, and then, uh, you know, when I got my job at Newsweek, I was living in Manhattan, which was a different kind of world. But also, I mean, the street is always alive, day and night. I mean, there's, there's always more going on than you can keep up with almost. It's funny you say that. Um, my husband's from Argentina. He he has an Italian last name. A lot of people come from an Italian background there. And when we first moved to the States, we would drive around and he would say, where where are the people? There are all these houses, but there's no people outside. Where are the kids playing? Where are the people yeah. sitting outside? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I liked in your, uh, I guess in your bio, um, you were talking about, I think, your memoir and you said, um, you were a boy who lived in a vibrant immigrant Italian neighborhood and you gained a keen sense of street and why it matters. Maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit. What you mean when you say you have a keen sense of street and, and why does it matter? What would you say? Um, well, I mean, when I was growing up, it was an intensely social place. Um, you, you, you basically knew just about everyone, even if you didn't know them well. Um, uh, you didn't always talk to people, but you watched them, you watched their lives unfold. You sometimes spoke to them. Um, it was a place where life was. Um, and I loved, I loved the, the whole European feel. I mean, you, you know, my grandparents, my father was born in Sicily. My grandparents were, were born on the other side. Uh, and in my family, there was a kind of split between the American way of doing things and the European way. My dad wanted to be very American. I love the European feeling of the neighborhood um, and, and, and the sense of life. It, it just was intensely communal. I mean, both, both good and bad. I, you, you know, it was, it's not something to romanticize, but um, it, it had its downside. But I, I just never felt as alive as I did on the street. Um, and it was just where you could go to be yourself and to encounter others, you know. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's kind of funny. I, I can tend to be sort of a loner type individual, but uh, that to me is the way out of that. You, you know, I go on the street now and uh, photographers or other people come up to me and say, what kind of camera you have? Or uh, I talk to street performers in Venice, one of whom is a clown, you know, and I start chatting. How did you, how'd you get into this? Did you go to the circus when you were a kid? And it just gets everything. I feel alive. You know, the camera brings me out into a new world. Yeah, and, and, and the curious thing when, when I look, look at it now is the article you guys published. I mean, a lot of the photographs in that article, I, I, I like them. Um, they're, uh, they're very silhouette dark. Uh, soft, uh, but a lot of them are kind of um, almost shots of isolation and individual people, as I remember it, w w with one or two exceptions. 
the kind of photography I'm doing now is is more like um, you know documentary street. Uh, I've got a different type of camera, and I'm really looking for people. What are they doing? How are they interacting? What are their facial expressions? How do they move? If you see them through a window, does that make it more interesting? Um, you, you know, so it's cool because I've I've kind of evolved since that article. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the difference. Yeah, and and which is why I changed cameras, uh, and, and I got myself a, a used um, uh, Leica M9 because it's just so sharp and so beautiful. Um, and I'm just try still trying to get used to it. <laughs> it sounds like it's made a, a difference in your photography from the way you've spoken about it up to this point. Um, have you felt like that? Have you felt like with a new camera, you have a new perspective? I, I sought out a new camera because I felt I could no longer do those dark, silhouette isolated beach shots and, and promenade shots. I just had done a lot of them, and I felt I needed to do something new. Um, and, I, and I knew I wanted it to be, it to be sharper shots of people. Um, and I was having a hard time with the Nikon getting those results. I mean, I know some people can. So I, you know, I thought about let me change my camera uh, because I want to try to do something different, and and maybe it'll be different with that camera. Well, that's a big change. Yeah, it. it I got to tell you, Bob, it surprised me. <laughs> I mean, I I have a buddy here who's a photographer who taught me everything I know, and he comes over, he looks at my pictures, and I told him this, and I think he was surprised, you know, and he said, "Well, that's good. It means you're you're evolving." And I thought, yeah, I guess so. You know, you talk about getting up close with people. And one thing about Los Angeles, now maybe this is unfair because I don't live there, but to me, it's one big suburb. Yes. There's a downtown, and I know there are a lot of street shooters downtown, but the rest is all strip malls and uh, four lane roads with you know, stores and things. And that's a problem we all run into when we live in the burbs. Uh, Ashley's husband saw it right away when when uh, he moved there. Um, how do you deal with that? Is that why you go to Venice? Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm 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 developing new strategies. I mean, I go. Uh, I I like the promenade at Venice uh, uh, because there are a lot of people in shops. Uh, I like the pier at Santa Monica for the same reasons, mm -hmm. but I'm going downtown Santa Monica more. Um, you, you know, they have a third street mall, uh, mall where people walk, but it's like Yuppieville. It's 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 almost like Disneyland. Um, you know, it, it seems concocted, but it is where people go. So I, I go there and try to get around the fairy tale quality. Um, I go to a farmer's market. Um, I, I go to Union Station. Um, I'm trying to find new places, but it, but, but it is frustrating. Yeah, and then you have to drive really yes. far to get to these places. Yes. If, if, I, go, if I go downtown with the metro, uh, it's going to take me about an hour to get there, if not more, an hour and a half to get to certain parts of downtown. And see, that's the other thing. I mean, I feel I want to just throw my camera over my shoulder, walk out my door, maybe get on a bike, but not have to go a, sh a long distance. I want to be right there, right away, you know? Yeah, that's the same boat I'm in. I mean, I'm out in the suburbs of Cleveland, nice place, but I could I could walk outside my house and walk for a half hour and not see another person. Um, and to go downtown where the people are, it's 45 minutes. Yeah, same here. yeah. So, yeah. So, so what do you guys, what do you guys do to deal with it? travel yeah um i do a lot of shooting when i travel or i just have to take the time and go where the people are yeah 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 my husband and i we were just talking about this the other day we were thinking about setting aside like sunday afternoon or something making mm -hmm. the drive and going to a place where you actually can walk around and see people yeah because it's yeah. if we feel like if we don't actually set aside the time it's it never happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, I forget, Ashley, are you in Cleveland too? No, I'm actually in Florida, um, okay. in the okay. suburbs outside of Jacksonville. Okay. Although we just saw some great photography in Jacksonville. Yes. 
We really um, did. Yeah, our last I month. I was re-inspired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He. Um, this is Hal Paget. He's a uh, frequent contributor to the magazine. I don't know if you saw the article in November, but. Uh, he... I know I haven't had the chance yet. Uh... It was interesting. I thought, kind of like you're saying, how you go to the beach sometimes, and that's where you really find people. Yeah. You know, just walking around, and it's kind of the same thing here. Um, there is a little downtown in Jacksonville, also on the water, on a river. Um, but a lot of stuff goes on at the beach. And I guess Hal's work kind of reminded me that North Florida has this really crazy, weird mix of beach bums that are also kind of rednecks. And, and I just felt re-inspired to be like, you know what? This is a really good place to find the unique people of Jacksonville. Yeah. Who are kind of in between Georgia and Florida. And <laughs> yeah, that sounds very unique. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uniqueness, and again, I'm going to say something that might not be fair about the Los Angeles area. We we go there quite a bit. We go to Orange County. But one thing I've noticed, and I've had other people say this, that that a lot of people in that part of the country are rather distant. They seem sort of aloof, particularly to strangers. Mm-hmm. You know where I come from? People talk to each other. You're in line at the grocery store. You yeah. talk to each other. Yeah. And if you talk to a stranger in a grocery store in the suburbs of LA, at least uh, they look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. Now, of course, there's a lot of scam artists there too. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you've noticed that. Well, um, uh, you know, w- w- when I was living in Manhattan, people complained about Manhattan that way, uh, that nobody really? spoke to anyone because there's so many people. You never know if you're going to see anyone again and people are stressed and they're moving on. Um, so um, I, it, it didn't strike me that way when I got here so much. But uh, the, the one thing that did strike me um, is people out here don't like to be photographed uh, all mm-hmm. that much. Um, it's, it's, you know, maybe it's, it, it's almost a variation on uh, maybe being distant and not wanting to be bothered. I don't know, but I've been yelled at. Um, I had a teenager spit on me, uh, oh. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm not somebody who uh, shoves a camera in people's faces, you know, but I sometimes do try to get a little, a little close. Um, so uh, I, I've read where, you, you, you know, other, uh, like uh, this guy, William, do you guys know William Klein, the photographer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not, well, not I, personally, read, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I just discovered one of his books and I read where, you know, he'd be on the streets in New York. And as far as he was concerned, people loved being photographed. They would pose, you know, they would, mm-hmm. they, they would welcome the camera. And when I read that, I was kind of surprised because it, it's it's not that way here. The other thing is the crowds are not that big here. So people spot you pretty quickly if you've got a camera, especially if you've got a big camera. That that, that was one of the disadvantages mm-hmm. of my Nikon. Uh, my Leica is kind of small and I can kind of get away with it a little bit more. Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask you that if it made a difference because yeah, that Nikon is big. Yeah, yeah, the Nikon is big, and uh, I, I had a fifty-eight millimeter lens on it, which is which is not a telephoto, but it it's pretty it's pretty sizable. Uh, so you, there was no way uh, people see it right away, and you know I think sometimes people get intimidated. It's like, who is this guy? What what's he want? Is he a journalist? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, I think people find it unsettling. I think it's true when you when you're carrying a Nike Nike uh, when you're carrying a Leica, you almost look like a tourist, you yep. know, with, with a small film camera. Uh, I had a woman stop me in Santa Monica, and say, "Is that a film camera?" You know, <laughs> so it, it it's cool. Yeah, I was uh, I use a Fuji myself, the poor man's Nikon. <laughs> I mean, the poor poor man's uh, <laughs> Leica, but. That and that's I, also a small compact camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was uh, I was at our, our museum. We have a wonderful art museum here, and uh, I was stopped by one of the guards. And he looks at my camera. He goes, "Is that a is that a Leica?" No, <laughs> oh, no, it's the poor man's Leica. <laughs> He's playing with it. <laughs> I thought he was in trouble for something, but he was just admiring the camera. 
You know, I love I, I, I love the fact that the guard knows what a Leica is. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of rich people in the uh, in the museum. Yeah, I mean, just just a while ago, a year or so ago, I didn't I didn't even know what a Leica was. You know. Yeah. Now you own one. Yeah. Now I own one. I can't believe. Top of the heap. A lot of people buy those things and they don't use them. They just put them on shelves to say yeah. they have one. I mean, I just love it. I just love it to death. I love the simplicity. It is so simple. There's no video. There's no complicated menus, you know. I love the simplicity and the compactness. Um, I'm still trying to master, uh, you, you know, the range focusing, but, but I just love it to death. I'm just having a lot of fun with it. There's definitely something to be said about simplicity because, like you say, you have something to learn, but it may only be one or two things, not 50. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I loved my Nikon, but I could never get used to all the menu choices and, uh, you know, the different ways you can do things, the different metering systems. I mean, it just got a bit overwhelming. It is overwhelming. Yeah. What lens do you have on it? Uh, I, I have a 50 millimeter, uh, Leica lens. It's, uh, one of their less expensive ones. Um, and, uh, I, I, I got that new, uh, and I also found on eBay at a very, very good price, um, a Leica 90 millimeter lens that weighs as much as my 50, which is nothing. I mean, they're so light. I mean, the Leica engineering is astonishing that they can make things this small that produce such high quality images, you know? Yeah. They're... So I've got a, I've got a fifty and a ninety right now. Oh, what else do you need? Uh, maybe someday I'll get a twenty-eight. You know. Oh, that's true. You know, and uh, and then then I'll have all my bases <laughs> covered. One thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, well, the article that you wrote. You you wrote about shooting on bright light on the beach. Yes. And actually, we were just talking about this the other day. I was just going to reiterate it. It's true. And we talked about that with Hal, too, because a lot of his images were shot at the beach. And that is just some seriously harsh light here in Florida. And I'm sure it's the same in California. Yeah. Beats yeah. down on you, reflects off the sand. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I know when I go out and it's really bright, I'm thinking, oh, no, what am I going to do? It's just so <laughs> bright. You know, yeah. the shadows will be blocked. And I mean, and you were relishing in it. I thought that was great. Yeah, I, I, I was. I was for a while. I, 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 you know, I reached this point where I decided to stop fighting my enemy. Because <laughs> every time, every time I went out there, the, the the sun seemed like my enemy. You know, and I thought, well, I wonder if there's a way I can play around with this and turn it around. And you know, I just kind of got lucky with that Nikon and that lens. It's it's going to be a different kind of challenge with the Leica uh, uh, you know, to see how I do with that uh, bright light, you know. Yeah, I liked how you said in your in your article um, how you discovered this shadow world without even really yes. knowing it until after you looked at your images. Yes, yes. So do you now now yes. when you look around, do you see the shadows before you take the image? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. And uh, even if I'm on the street and uh, I'm not taking the type of shot that was in that article, I'm still looking for shadows and um, people's um, shadow presence. Um, you know, I, I, I just think there's something cool about that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm always looking for what's hidden. You know, I'm always looking for what's hidden because that's that's what's interesting to me in, in, in a photograph. If you could shoot something and somehow convey, oh, my God, there's something hidden in this scene. And, and there it is. You know, that's pretty cool. That is. I also liked in, in your article how you wrote that you had to learn to what to shoot and why after your transition from New York to California and that you had to figure out what was significant and what what wasn't. How did you go about doing that? Um, gosh, you know, I'm not sure, but, uh, but it, that's definitely true. I mean, when, when you're put in a different landscape, um, you don't know how to read the signs. Uh, uh, when I was on the street in, in, in my neighborhood as a kid, there were signs all around, signs of different things. 
signs when two kids were about to get into a fight, signs when an old lady was going to have an argument or, you, you know, you just you just learn how to read stuff, uh, body language, uh, movement. And uh, it, it's a different landscape out here. So um, I, 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 I'm not quite sure how I did it, but uh, I, I, I just kept looking um, and, and, and trying to see what was interesting. I started talking more to the uh, street performers um, um, and, and, and that helped. That made me feel like, okay, now I, I, I know what's going on. There's a guy out here who's a clown, for example. Uh, he's got to be in his 50s. That's how he makes his living. He's out there in a clown suit. Uh, he blows up balloons uh, for girl, you know, little girls and little boys. But I was watching him one day, and I noticed that when the parents come over, the parents look at him in a harsh, skeptical way, you know? Uh, like, what is this guy, you know? The kids just want their balloon. So I started talking to the guy and picking up on that. You know, I, I said to him, you know, it looked like the kids really liked you there. And the guy said to me right away, yeah, but the parent didn't. And we, we had this whole conversation and I really was kind of moved. I felt for the guy. And it made me feel like I'm starting to read the world around me here, you know? Yeah, like you made a connection, um, maybe. It, it's, it, it's, it's, such a, it's such a different world. But, but, but then again, you know, people are people. You know, so um, anyway. No, that's one of my favorite things about street photography <laughs> is that it it really shows, I think it highlights that fact. You can be here in India, in South America, and people are always still people. Human nature is always the same. Yeah. I love that about street photography. Yeah. So, you, you, you know, it's different, but it's the same. Yeah. And that and that's that's the thing you, you, you're always trying to master, I think, you know. I really learned something from you in this article. And really? uh, for ex yeah, well the, the one photo you took of the the big blocky things, the big blocky geometric bulky yeah. geometric shapes you call it. Yeah. And this is one of the things that frustrates me uh shooting in in bright sunlight like this. I mean, I would have been frustrated by this because I think I I probably would have increased the exposure compensation. To, to get more detail on those blocks and yeah. which would have blown out the sky. Yeah. And, and you weren't afraid to leave it as it was. Uh -huh. And, and in, in the process, you made a very interesting photograph. And I, I found myself getting caught up in, the, in this thought that I, I've got to, I've, I've got to bring up more detail in the dark areas and leave them where they are. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to do that next time I see the sun, which won't be yeah. till May, but <laughs> It's the shadow <laughs> presence, Bob. There's a term. The shadow for it now, presence. Remember? I like yeah. that. I know. I wrote that down. Well, you know, Bob. That it, I, I think that's an inter interesting point that you're making. Um, I, I'm. I don't think in terms of sharpness. I, I know a lot of really good photographers. That's what they aim for. I know cameras have 40 megapixels now, and they can produce extraordinary sharpness, and it, and it can produce wonderful pictures. That's not how I think. I don't think in terms of sharpness. I think in terms of expressiveness. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, that's that's just me. Maybe it's because I can't achieve the sharpness. But I, <laughs> I, I'm always looking for uh, something else that will do the work, not necessarily the the, the, the very sharp image. Um, even even with my Leica uh, now, you know, which is capable of great sharpness, sometimes my sh uh, my focus is a little off. Uh, in in the pictures that I'm taking, but I look at it and I say, no, this picture is okay because it's expressing something, you know. So that's just the way I look at it. Uh, yeah. Now I I really wasn't talking about sharpness. I guess I was talking more about brightness. Okay. So you can see more detail in there, but I think it, it would have ruined the photograph. I see. Um, yeah. And um, and I like the fact that the people are dark and it just creates almost a um, a silhouette a shape yes yeah not so much a person yeah 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 very nice you you said something about when you had your nikon so you had the, the 5814 you said it had a soft vivid look yes do, yeah. do you still get that with your with your leica lens or it's it's a sharper image um yeah. it, it, it's definitely a sharper image um um 
Yeah, and and also the M9 has a very limited ISO. So uh, with my Nikon, I could shoot at the end of the day uh, in light that was waning and still get pretty good results. It's more of a challenge uh, with the Leica. Really? So in, so in the bright light, it's a sharper image. And in the dim light, it's it's a challenge to get an image. Huh. I I didn't realize that. What's the highest ISO that it goes to? 2,500. Oh, Okay. Um, th there's a pull uh, sec uh, 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 that you can pull it a little bit beyond, mm -hmm. but but they recommend avoiding the pull both down and up because I guess you're uh, pushing the camera to its limits. Yeah, I'm sure it increases the noise. Yeah. Huh. So what'd you do with the Nikon? You still have it? Uh, no, in order to afford the used M9, I had to sell my Nikon gear. Yeah, <laughs> I figured. Uh, I, I, but, you know, the good thing is I wound up selling it to my buddy, the photographer. So I, it was hard to part with, but at least I was parting with it to someone uh, who's a good friend. Yeah, that's good. Ashley would have bought it. Yeah. <laughs> We just got my husband a, oh, yes. a Nikon 850, which he's still waiting on after like almost three months now. <laughs> You're still waiting yeah, on it? Yeah, we pre-ordered, but that thing is... We got it from B&H too, which may have been a mistake. We wanted to save on the taxes, but it seems like other sources yeah, yeah. have already fulfilled their pre-orders. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's strange. B&H usually has a good supply. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you had asked us a couple months ago, we might have been in the market. <laughs> so uh, the 850 is a new model. Is that different from, was there an 810 or something like that? Or There was an 810. Um, my husband was looking at that one actually until yeah. the 850 came out and he felt like it was just a better all around. Basically it has every function you could possibly want. He likes having an abundant uh, <laughs> supply of functions on yeah. his yeah. Any camera, so. Well, that's good. That's good. Some people love it and can manage that well. Yeah, he loves the learning process. He loves to sit down and learn, okay, in this menu, you know, and just play with it all afternoon until he figures it out. So that's I think it'll be a good it'll good choice for him. I wish. I'll, I'll bet he'll be real happy once it comes. Yeah, for sure. So, Ray, you said you're writing uh, your memoirs. That sounds interesting. What's that all about? Um, well, uh, you know, when, when I was news, when I was at Newsweek, one of the reasons I didn't pursue, um, writing and reporting more is I was trying to write a novel back then, an autobiographical novel. And, uh, I, I, I kind of banged my head up against that wall for a lot of years. Um, that never came to pass, but it's now taken the form of a memoir, um, because I, I, I read some memoirs that moved me a lot. And, uh, um, you know, and I thought, you know, I really would like to, to write about this immigrant um, working class world I grew up in uh, and my crazy family. I had a, I had a crazy family. Uh, and I thought, you know, th th this could be uh, interesting to do and, and, and possibly interesting to other people. So that's... That's what that's all about. Uh, so in a way, the photography and the memoir are coming from the same root, you know, the same source. Oh, so what other memoirs have uh, had an impact on you? Uh, Frank McCourt, uh, Frank McCourt's memoir, uh, Angela's Ashes. Uh, mm -hmm. don't, don't know if you know that one. Um, yeah, I've read about a third of it. I have to pick it back up. Yeah. And, so uh, sad, man. Yeah, yeah. And I, I read a memoir by a woman called The Glass Castle. Um, uh, I don't, it, be, it became a bestseller. Um, those two books had a pretty big impact on me. And then, you know, and then, and being a studious fellow, I, I went out uh, when I was in Dallas, I bought like 15 memoirs uh, by all kinds of people and, and just read them all, you know, to see, well, what is it that people do? You know, because the challenge in writing a memoir is, you don't want to write something that just your uncles are going to be able to relate to because they come from your family. You know, mm -hmm. it can't be that personal. Um, so the trick is, uh, I, I think, to learn how to be personal but impersonal. And and I, I haven't found that easy, but um, reading those memoirs kind of helped. 
I just uh, last night finished watching a series on PBS. Uh, actually, I watched the first season of it. Uh, the second one, I think, has just ended. But it, um, the Durrells of Corfu. Huh. And it's a it's a memoir. It's from a uh, it was, took place in the 1930s, and it's really good. It, it's it's about a crazy family, an English uh, family that moves to Corfu, in um, uh, in Greece. Yeah, I highly recommend it. It's very good. Oh, I, okay. I saw it on uh, it was on Amazon Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime, and, and what's it called again? The the Durrells, D U R E L L S of Corfu. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll look that up. Yeah, well, well worth it. You can, especially you're going to be inside during this harsh winter. You're, you're going to have nothing else to do. You might as well watch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got no one to sympathize with you, Bob. <laughs> no. Yeah, Bob, are your, are your winters pretty harsh? Yeah, they're nasty. Yeah. Pretty nasty. We get eh, 100, 150 inches of snow. Oh, you're kidding. Wow. Yeah. Well, it comes off the lake, off of Lake Erie. Okay, okay. And it's funny because it'll get real cold and then it warms up, gets up into the 50s. You start to get used to it. Then it goes back down to zero or below yeah. zero. And it's up and down. It's not like Minneapolis where it's cold all the time. Uh, did uh, Did you grow, grow up in Cleveland? No, I'm from uh, Southern Ohio. Oh, not, okay. Which is a lot milder than here. I used to come here when my wife and I were dating in college, and I thought, man, it's cold up there. Yeah. I hate that place. <laughs> Actually, it's a nice place. The weather just stinks, but uh, <laughs> summer weather is great. But um, Yeah, you know, I did. I was uh, I was flying to Monterey once and I, through L.A., and my flight got canceled, and I had like an eight-hour layover. It was in January. It was a nice day. It was in the 70s. So... I had my camera with me and I hopped on a bus and went to Manhattan beach and hung out there all day shooting. And, and the sun was, you know, since it was January, it was very low in the sky, even though it was midday yeah. Yeah. and it was so cool. There's these long shadows all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I was thinking, well, you're right there, right by uh, Marina del Rey, man, you could, you could have a nice time there like any yeah. summer day. So how'd you happen to pick L.A.? Sounds like you could have gone anywhere, right? Yeah, I, I had some friends out here, and uh, I, I came out to kind of see how that would work. Uh, I, I wasn't very comfortable in Dallas. Uh, I was in Dallas because I had some family there. Uh, and I just thought California with my friends would be um, an adventure and would be nicer weather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I like being by the ocean, you know, and... And I, I'd come out here a lot of a lot of times visiting, and I, I liked what I saw. You know, um, I, I have the advantage of not having to work, so I don't have to get on those highways. You know, uh, the freeways at rush hour. Otherwise, I'd probably pull my hair out. You know. Yeah, we drove from uh, Newport Beach up to the Getty, and that was eye-opening. <laughs> On the 405. Yeah. Since there were the two of us, we got, yeah, we, we got to go in the uh, HOV lane or whatever they call it out there. Yeah, yeah. And we were going 60 miles an hour and everybody else was dead stopped. And every yeah. now and then somebody would pull into that. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's scary. Yeah. And I got to tell you, all those people who are dead stopped watching you go by, they hated you. <laughs> <laughs> they need friends. All they need because- is one friend. <laughs> Because I tell you, you get in that traffic, it brings out the worst in your personality. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the movies. <laughs> it, it worked out okay in La La Land. Everybody got up and danced. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the implementation of that is going very well <laughs> in the no. real world. <laughs> no, no. Well, Ray, so what, what's in store for you next besides writing a book? Uh, well, you, you know, I, I'd like to, I like, my dream is to write a book, get it published. Uh, maybe if I can get it published and it, it does semi okay, maybe I can get a small book of photographs published off of that. I don't know, but, um, um, that's the dream. Um, um, 
in, in, in more in, in more concrete terms, uh, I want to get up to San Francisco and uh, get on real streets and uh, and do more shooting. I also want to find a way to get back to New York for a chunk of time uh, if I could figure out how to finance it and and shoot New York. Yeah, I don't blame you a bit. Those sound like really good goals. Yeah. Do you have an estimated time for publishing your memoir? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I've got a ways to go, you know, but um, I uh, I do have the names of a couple of agents that I got through uh, an advi- a financial advisor. Um, uh, so when I can get a manuscript together, I do have someone I can bring it to, you know. So that that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's that's a huge step. Yeah. Yeah, but you know the funny thing about uh, writing a memoir is, uh, you know, I had writer's block for years. Uh, it's a real thing, um, you know, especially if you're writing about a, a childhood that, in some ways, was challenged, which mine was. It can be hard to get access to your own material, you know, um, and and that's what I've cleared the brush on. I, I I mean, I feel like I've put a lot of that behind me, so there's more of a flow now, and and that's very encouraging. Nice. Yeah, it is a real thing, even for writing simple blog posts. <laughs> mm. Mm. All right. Hooray. Normally at this point, we ask people where they can be found online, but Ray doesn't have a website yet. I know he's so going to get one. add that to your list of what's next for you. Yeah. Put that, <laughs> on, yes. put that on your to-dos. Yes. Yes. I'm going to yeah. do that as soon as possible. Uh, and when you do, send us the link. Okay. Okay. I'll do that. I will do that. And uh, I'd, I'd like to ask you guys a question before you go. Um, sure. Yeah. You guys are like kind enough to publish my article. I loved it. Um, it is it okay to submit other photos once you've had an article published? Absolutely. Okay. And, and do they have to be in that article format or can you just send photos sometimes? Yeah, we have um, a form where you can upload individual photos, and then those are considered for the Street Shooter of the Month section. Got it. Okay. And and the form, how do I find the form? It's It, it just, is it under submissions on your homepage? Or? That's exactly where it is. Okay. Um, yeah, if you hover on submissions, you have to be logged in. Yeah. Uh, you have to be a subscriber or registered as a contributor. Okay. Um, and then when you hover on submissions, that reveals a link to a, a form. And I think it's photo submission form. Well, okay. I, I made it and I don't even re- remember what it's called. I'm going to do it right now. Okay. okay. And, yeah. And, and you photo can, submission form. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. And you can submit like uh, a couple of photos. Uh... Yep. Yep. And since we're talking about it, keep them to 1600 pixels wide at 72 DPI. Um, Don't upload them straight from the camera. Uh, We will resize them and you may not like the uh, result. So keep control. Yeah. So I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the public. (laughs) I'm talking to you, you, the person who uploads a 6,000 pixel wide image. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and there's a place to put a, a note about it and okay. the title, if you do have a title, if okay. you don't just put untitled, but, um, we'd like for people to include little notes. I was walking down the street and I saw this guy in a yellow bunny suit and yeah. I just couldn't help myself. I had to photograph him as he's looking in this, the window of the store. Yeah. And then a teenager spit on my face. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, also, while we're on this topic, yeah. <laughs> um, we love any type of creative article. We have given people kind of an outline of how they can submit stuff. Yeah. Um, but we, the more creative you get with your own work, the better. We've Bob and I have talked about the possibility of doing a one-image photo story. Yeah. Uh, anything you can come oh, up with, okay. if you have just a few images that are meaningful to you and you have a way to present them okay. feel free to get creative with submissions okay, um, okay. yes okay i'm glad That's you good. said that yes uh, let, let me ask you something else um uh, related to this um i've um my my taste in photo photographs has changed um mm-hmm. there there are photographers who mean a lot to me 
Uh, one is uh, Cartier-Bresson, mm -hmm. but I've also gotten attached to William Klein and uh, this guy, Ed Vander Elskin. I don't know if you know them, but William Klein and this Dutch photographer seem like the anti-Cartier-Bresson. And it struck me it would be interesting to write a little essay. This might not be right for you guys, but how you could like such opposite photographers. And I think what, that's a great idea. And what they, what, what they could mean for what you learn and implement in your own photography. I, I think that's, a, that's an excellent idea. Really? Perfect. Yeah. Yes. Okay, great. That, that's, that's great because I've been, like I said, I've just discovered these people. They're so different from Cartier-Bresson. And it's not that I've stopped loving Cartier-Bresson. I love them both. And, you know, and, and a part of my brain says, how could you? They're so opposite, you know? <laughs> so I, I just thought that was cool because, you know, you try to learn from the people you admire. So, you know, what would you take from one and what would you take from the other? And how do you put them together, you know? Yeah, yeah we're really more of a idea. collective. So we have an lots of photographers, thousands of them, and they come together. This is a place for people to come together and share ideas and their thoughts. And if you have a thought like that that you want to share with other people, we're happy to publish it. Great. Yeah, and that's something we try to do with the magazine, too, is keep uh, multiple styles yeah. published all the time. We try not to, you know, just choose one style of street photography. There's so many out there yeah. and all have something to add yeah. to this experience. So. But, no, that would be a great perspective to take on it. Well, great. Uh, but l let me ask you a copyright question. If, if if I were to write an article like that, are you allowed to show samples from the photographers, like one shot from Cartier-Bresson versus one shot versus uh, William Klein, or is there a copyright issue? Well, I think it's easier if they're a Magnum photographer because Magnum has uh, on their website they give you the ability to share some of the photos if you give the proper attribution. I see. I see. Um, yeah. If, you know, if there's any yeah. question, we need, you know, we need their permission. It's, it's their work. Anything that's published in our magazine remains the property of the photographer. Sure. Yeah. We don't, we don't make any claim on, on their work. Right. Right. Or your work okay. or any, anybody else's. So um, generally, yeah. if you, give the proper recognition with the photo yeah you can but in many in some cases you do have to ask for permission so okay okay i don't think there's a black and white answer to that really okay okay and and uh if i were to submit this uh article i would just use your article submission format um articles with multiple photos you can just send them right to me at bob at streetphotographymagazine.com Okay. Just send it in an email, just like you did last time. Okay. Um, All right. Best. Well, great. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the photos uh, at 1600 pixels wide. We don't need full size photos. And it's best to put them in a zip file or maybe use uh, Google Google right. Drive. That that works really well, too. Okay. But, you know, I'm talking about this essay idea of mm -hmm. comparing these two people. So uh, I, I could I could do it. Use that format. Just. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Just you can write it in plain text or a word document and okay. send the photos along and if they go in a specific place tell us where each photo goes and we'll put them in the right place. Okay. All right. Excellent. I I'm, I'm so glad you guys are open to this idea. It's very exciting. I'm glad you asked about it. Yeah. I mean, I, what I like about the, ma the 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 magazine is it, it's it's openness and and the variety and re re it's it's refreshing what you can find and that's really cool. Keep keep coming. Come on. <laughs> that's music to our ears. <laughs> but thank you. That's very nice of you to say that. Yeah, I think I I know Bob is Bob is the founder here, but that's one thing I've really appreciated working with this magazine is that um, we do try to keep it open. Anyone can submit their work for consideration. Um, you know, a lot of people feel like, oh, getting published, it sounds like yeah. a big deal and like something that would be so hard to do. But in this case, yeah. we're very open to seeing anyone's work. Yeah. So yeah. Just, it I has think to that's be a really good. nice thing about the magazine. Yeah. yeah, it has to be good. We don't want, uh, we yeah. don't make fun of other people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So ra rarely will you see photos of a homeless person laying on the street. Unless yeah. some redeeming value to it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And we're also open to giving um, suggestions if someone submits something that needs a little work. We, we're usually pretty open to giving people a couple of pointers and hopefully they can turn their project into something that we can publish. Yeah. Cool. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the submissions guideline that you have on your home page is just wonderful because I was somebody who would have been intimidated by the whole idea of even trying to submit, but your submissions uh, guidelines, they just walk you through it and make it seem very manageable. Because when I published the article, my photographer friend said, here said, how did you figure out how to do that? You know, and I said, they have a submissions guideline on their homepage. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a way of putting up a welcoming sign that you guys are doing, you know? Oh, that's great. I'm so, that, so glad those, to hear that. Those submission, those submission guidelines are, are great. They're really great. It's a way of saying we're open. We want new stuff. We really do. Well, Ashley wrote them. So. <laughs> we also just published a blog post about a new feature we're trying to work up called Spotlight on Your City. That's right. Um, ah. So you'll see that there's a new blog post. I think it just, it probably just published. Today's the 28th that when we're recording, but um that's another, we're just open to anything creative, anything that would be good for the street photography world. Okay. So you can check that out too. It's another idea. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. That's right. And you're going to see an example of one in the December issue. And it's going to be a spotlight on Cleveland, Ohio. Ah, are you doing that, Bob? Yeah, I can't find anybody else to do it. <laughs> see, Bob, you got yourself into a fix now. I did. I did. That's okay. <laughs> Had to be done. So, all right. Well, Ray, thank you again for being with us. Appreciate yeah. you taking the time. Well, it's great. It's really nice talking to you guys. Uh, and I just want to tell you again, you're doing such a wonderful job. I love, I love the magazine. It's like a lifeline for me. Thank you. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Street Photography Magazine. It is the number one source for inspiration education, and publication for street photographers everywhere. It's made by street photographers for street photographers. Street Photography Magazine is published once a month, plus a few bonus issues throughout the year. Each issue includes an interview with our featured photographer to discuss how they work and take a deep dive into some of their photos. It also includes photo projects and photo stories from photographers around the world to inspire you. And it's a place for you to publish your work to be recognized. For example, the Street Shooters of the Month section of the magazine. It features photos from members of our community. And many of our featured photographers have been selected from that group. So stop trying to go it alone and join the community. All of this for less than the price of a cup of coffee per month. Stop over and subscribe now at streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe.